Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road Church in Guildford, UK. Thank you for joining us on the journey, wherever you are in the world. You can find out more about who we are and what we're up to at EmmausRoad.com. As, as the Lord is clearly calling all of us, because there's no such thing as a calling just some, I want to share some scriptures and some stories which hopefully will help us to get to where we're meant to be going. And I believe it's all to do with seeing. Um, this is what Ephesians says. Um, we're going to put the scriptures up, but I would prefer, as thank God we're in the light, that you look at Bibles. I realize some of you only look at machines, but um, the book's even better. Ephesians. Chapter 1. I nearly always uh, pray this prayer uh, before sharing anywhere. Verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. A spirit of wisdom, and revelation. It talks about um, Jesus like this in um, Isaiah 11 too. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, talking about the coming Jesus. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, knowledge and fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will give decisions for those on the earth. So the Lord sees uh, in a different way to the way we see. And I believe that... Um, he wants to give us his eyes and his heart for the lost. And this spirit of revelation uh, is the only way um, 
whichever, whichever way it works, um, it's going to be the only way that people will be able to know uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot uh, preach people into believing. We cannot convince people into believing. And we cannot open anyone's eyes. So uh, only when in the Lord's mercy, through his Holy Spirit, he sends revelation. And I, I want to um, th think of revelation for a little bit. Because um, in Isaiah 6, 9, it says, Though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. Um, Jesus was asked in Matthew 13, <clears throat> Why do you speak to your disciples in parables? The whole of chapter 13 is about parables. And his answer was this, Though seeing, they might not see. Though hearing, they may not hear. So he's actually saying he's deliberately not telling people what the meaning is in case they see, in case they hear. Because if they see before they believe, they'd be dead. They'd be blind. So he's saying this is deliberately hidden. But those who go to the Lord, he will reveal his secrets. The Lord is a revealer um, of secrets. Uh, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. So we can ask the Lord um, for the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom. So there are, there are many, many scriptures about seeing. Um, in Daniel, um, it says he reveals deep and hidden things. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And I believe that it's important that we are seeing with the Lord's eyes, not with the eyes of our imagination. Because we're living in a world, and a lot of the church today follows the world, in saying, Whatever you see, you can have. Whatever you want to be, you can do. Not true. Uh, but it's a, it's a popular uh, philosophy these days. So even if you'll have a, a company having a vision statement. Now, vision comes from the Lord. A vision statement may be really wonderful whichever company it is that is, uh, or business that has got a vision statement, but it's still coming from man. And I don't want to confuse man's vision with man's ambition. So you may have a church vision. Hopefully, what has come to your group has come from the Lord, because if it's come from the ambition of men, they're going to try and make it happen. If you have a vision from the Lord, all you need to do is see it and not make it happen. Because what comes from the Lord, he will bring about. Think of Daniel. Look at the visions he had. I mean, 
They gave him headaches and sleepless nights and tummy aches, you know, um, these dreams. And I don't think they've been come true at all yet. Imagine having to have a vision for a world several thousand years. Um, but we are living in a world today where people want to make things happen. Um, so, uh, who, who, uh, that, that wonderful man that wrote The Purpose Driven, what not. Um, we're, we're not supposed to be driven. And when we have an ambition, whether it's, um, you know, let's have a church of 50,000, um, or let's multiply our church 50 times, it really sounds good, but uh, that may be an ambition. It may give you something to aim for, but if it's not what the Lord has told you to aim for, it won't happen. Imagine, we heard there was some kind of revival in Reading. Why? I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe some old ladies have been praying for Reading for centuries. Who knows? Who knows? But it, it's not necessarily the people that end up with the most countable numbers or the most apparent successes um, that are necessarily doing God's will. All we need to do is something very, very simple. So I just want to share a psalm, uh, 73, which is the one, I'm not suggesting anyone here uh, does this, of course. Um, this is Psalm 73, verse 9 and 10. Um, and for those people that have uh, want to start a movement, be careful. What happened with Pete's movement is it was clearly God. He didn't try to collect a whole lot of people. It was just that in God's mercy, this movement of prayer and intercession was worked through him. That was the Lord's plan. It wasn't somebody saying, let's try and start a movement. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, verse 9 of Psalm 73, their tongues take possession of the earth. So it isn't name it and claim it, uh, or blab it and grab it. Uh, it, <laughs> it isn't whatever you can think up in faith you claim, and the Lord will give it to you. But it says it sounds good, verse 10. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. So... Uh, it's quite important because this spirit of revelation also brings discernment. Okay, so wisdom and revelation. And discernment, um, Pete knows because last time I was here, I was longing to share with you people. In fact, I'm not going to be able to. But what I really believe that most of the people of God these days need to be practicing, because it comes with practice as well, as well as revelation, is discerning. And discerning is 
how much of this good idea, or how much of what Jackie's saying, or how much of what this person has written, how much is the Lord? How much is the enemy? And how much is a jolly good idea, which is man? Okay? And most of us operate with a mixture. Um, it, the enemy should be pretty obvious. But uh, good ideas sometimes aren't. And I want to pray for you that you're going to live... Um, not with explicit revelation all the time, because you, nobody lives um, with minute-by-minute minute revelation. I mean, if you've... Has anybody read Packer's Knowing God? Good book, you know. So he, he tells the story about the lady that spent, always spent a long time getting up because she was praying whether to wear the red sock or the yellow one. Um, so that's, uh, you really do not need uh, explicit guidance about uh, everything. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. So secret things... Um, belong to the Lord our God, and he reveals things to some men. Now, uh, what he has revealed to you is true, okay? So what you know of him in your own life, when you tell somebody else, they're going to be able to hear. If you say, this is what Jackie said, it won't work. What is revealed to you, the truth that you've laid hold of, um, will help someone else because it's come by revelation and you've, you've received it. Now, uh, Jesus told the parable about the man who took out treasures. It's a kingdom of God parable. He took out treasures and he said, old and new. So some of the treasures which you are now receiving from the Lord, are new to you, but other people discovered them 1,500 years ago. So some old treasures are new to some people. Some new treasures are old to other people. Do you understand? This is how the kingdom of God works, full of treasures which we're um, discovering um, all the time. So the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed to <clears throat> belong to us and our children. What are the things revealed? Okay, what's been revealed to you? As well as what I call perfectly ordinary gospel. And this is one way in which the world is going to be able to see Jesus. Because... The world cannot believe in Jesus without revelation. And revelation will come miraculously and in them seeing Jesus in the flesh through you. And don't rely on only one or only the other. They go together. So... Um, 
I'll read you from Matthew. There are two great parables about seeing. Matthew 25. Um, and the other one which we will look at will be Luke 10. Now, they're both uh, parables about who we see. And this is how you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. We are going to make Jesus known somehow to those we see. And when we see with his eyes, they will see Jesus. This is how it works. Okay, so Matthew 25. I mean, it's extraordinary. We see with his eyes, and then as we walk out in the world, people see Jesus through what we do. Um, I'm sure you all know this, so I won't read the whole thing. Chapter 25 of Matthew. This is the sheep and goats. This is the Son of Man coming in his glory. And in, in, <clears throat> in, Ch in Chinese, uh, we, there's not a different word for sheep or goats. It's a long-haired sheep or short-haired sheep. So uh, the, <clears throat> the length of your hair it's very important to your eternal salvation. Um, so um, all, all angel, uh, he's coming in his glory um, with the angels, and all the nations will be gathered before him. And then there's going to be a separation of people, long-haired and short-haired. And the, 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 the goats are the long-haired, sorry. And um, so he commends the sheep. Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. We're not managing these scriptures, or are we? We are, we're not. We're not. Have none of them gone up? Oh, they promised me they could follow me. Not. It's all right, is it? Oh, he's trying. I'm just going to, sorry. Okay, we're in Matthew 25. Okay, so um, <clears throat> verse 34. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the short-haired sheep, the righteous, will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And he said, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Years ago, I was asked to um, 
by the police. They knocked on the door. I was, used to go to sleep with all my clothes on because the police appeared at my door so often at night. And, <clears throat> um, and they said, would you mind coming down to the morgue? We'd like you to identify a body. So um, I went into uh, the dead body place, you know, where they take people out of those stainless steel drawers. And, um, and there was this really beautiful looking um, old man. I never had seen a dead body before and it, it wasn't scary. Um, and I said, uh, actually, no, I don't recognize him. I don't know who he is. Uh, so wh why did you ask me to come? And uh, they said, well, he gave your address. That was just, I was living at that time just outside the walled city. No idea who he was. No idea. I have no idea. I have no idea if he believed in Jesus. I have no idea if I'd prayed for him in the streets, for we often did. I have no idea. But I often think about that old man. He was homeless. You see, he, he, <coughs> he had no home. And as far as they could find out, um, he, he had no family. Nobody knew who he was, but he gave my address. And in that moment, um, it, it, it was one of the most joyful moments of my life. I thought, God, I don't know who he is, but you do. And, and if there was a moment that I or one of us might have touched him, uh, just so he could know he was loved <laughs> and perhaps even recognize Jesus. That's actually all I care to do with my life. That's all. Uh, it's very, very simple. I, I cannot... Um, count that man's scalp on my conversion tally. I cannot add him to Jackie Pullinger Ministries, Inc. Uh, he, he's not part of my uh, empire. My tally, uh, my list of successes or failures, who knows? actually doesn't matter. When you and I are called by the Lord in mercy to know his love, uh, we are in the moment of receiving his forgiveness fit for heaven, but left on earth. So in order to walk on this earth, because he told us he would keep us, our feet on the ground, uh, we have 
vision from heaven because we're heading all our life. Paul says, he has called me heavenwards. In order to be able to walk on this earth, we have to be heading heavenwards. And then from time to heaven, from time to time in mercy, the Lord reveals things from heaven to us. Imagine like um, the Lord in heaven sees everything, obviously. And, and there is in heaven like um, a, 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 a war plan, if you like, for every person. There is a, a plan in heaven for our lives and for what he wants to do with our lives and what he wants to do through our lives. So I always imagine, you know, because I did this as a child, when we sat on our lawn and I looked at heaven and I, you know, it, I always imagined him with a, sort of up there with, with, with a huge, they call them duvets now in our days, they were Ida Downs. And, and uh, from time to time, he peels back the corner and lets us see what he sees. He reveals some of his secret to us to enable us to walk his way. Now, the revealed things are easy, right? Everybody knows, well, I'm sure you do, don't you? Um, you feed the hungry. You share cold water with somebody that needs a drink. Uh, you give to him who asks. You do, always, by the way, always. You never don't. Okay? Don't qualify it. It says give to him who asks. Got that? Yeah, you don't like it, do you? <laughs> See? You're not thrilled. Okay? It doesn't say shut up your heart in case they're cheating you. You have to give to him who asks. You have to. Otherwise, your heart gets hard. So the point of giving to him who asks is to keep your heart soft. It just doesn't say give him what he asks for. <sighs> now you're relieved, aren't you? Yes. Okay. Okay. Like, you know, like the, like the man who uh, uh, was begging at the church gate, beautiful gate. Um, and uh, beggars know exactly where to touch people for money. So he held out his hand and uh, expecting uh, money. And, and Peter and John were going up that way, and they said, silver and gold, have I none? But such as I have give I you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. He got something much better than silver and gold. He got the means to stop begging so he wouldn't need to ask for silver and gold. He was healed. So you can always give. Okay, so I'm talking about the revealed things. Now it's hopefully <laughs> just been revealed to you. You're always supposed to be giving. I'm only preaching the word of God. 
This is not Jackie's good idea. Give to him who asks you. That's what. So there's masses of ordinary scripture, what I call ordinary gospel. Some people call them acts of kindness, which we have to do anyway. Got that? There's the, the, there's, this is what this parable is about. I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. And then the next bit is about the goats who are cursed. And I'm very sorry to tell you, um, they go to eternal punishment. And you, we, you just can't skip this bit of the parable. There we are. Um, anyway, he says that, depart, you're cursed. Why? I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. And they're going, they're going to eternal fire with the devil and his angels. Why? I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison. And you did not look after me. And they also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger? Or if we'd known, if we'd known you were in prison, we'd have visited you. If we knew you were sick, we'd have gone to the hospital. If we knew you needed clothes, we'd have given them to you. When was it that we did not help you? I tell you the truth, he will reply. Whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. This somehow tells me that my eternal salvation depends on whether I treat the least man like Jesus. Not on whether I asked Jesus into my life 30 years ago. Um, and I have more scriptures to back this up. I'm not here that you should doubt your salvation. And if you've invited Jesus to be your savior, he will go on saving you. And you will go on receiving forgiveness. You will go on receiving his love. And because of that, you will go on expressing his love to the least. That's how it works. If you have received his forgiveness, how could you not forgive other people? If you have received his mercy, how could you not share it with those who need it? If he has heard your prayer, why would you not hear the cry of the lost, of the least. And, and Pete was asking me at dinner tonight uh, what some of you might pray for. And I, I, I don't know if this a, is a worse time in history than any other time. I don't know. I do know more people are coming to know Jesus, but I know not more people are perishing. How can you explain to, I think there's nearly a million, there are at least 
three quarters of a million uh, Buddhist uh, Myanmar uh, Rohingyas. They're the most not wanted people on earth. Nobody wants them. Myanmar doesn't want them. And Sang Suu Kyi doesn't want them. Bangladesh doesn't want them. Who wants them? Thailand kills them on their beaches and other Asian countries send their boats on. And you hear these terrible stories from women whose babies, the women have been raped and their babies thrown into the fire. I've heard that story several times. To watch your baby being thrown into the fire and you and I stay in our country and we think, oh Lord, I don't know if I'm ready to suffer for you. <laughs> there are so many people suffering without him. Without knowing that there is somebody who cares that that suckling child has been thrown into a fire while mother is raped. And when she gets to the most crowded refugee camp on earth, the refugee workers say the worst thing is she's still wearing the skirt she was raped in. This is a terrible time in the world for people to be without Christ. And I really do believe that if each one of us plays the part that we are called to, you can't play mine, and I can't play yours. Uh, he can reveal his love and his name to every person on earth. And we do this with the very, very simple. Uh, we pray, of course. We go, of course. And we do the very, very ordinary. We do clothe the naked. We do visit those in prison as if they're Jesus. And I often think maybe they are Jesus. After sessions like this, we might never finish this one, but... Um, okay. I, I often say to people, you know, be careful when you go outside um, because he might be out there. And it, it would be terrible to miss him, wouldn't it? would be awful. I didn't see you, Jesus. I'm terribly sorry. I, I completely missed you. Uh, so imagine that we are to treat the least as if he's Jesus. Now, some of the least in Hong Kong used to be the, the old ladies. Uh, I, I very much love old ladies, especially got a heart for the illiterate ones because most gospel materials come in written form for educated people. So, of course, that's not right. So we, we, ha we have to find ways. Um, so I tell you two old lady stories. Um, we began to have Christmas parties. We were living at this time in a place called Hangfoot Camp, which um, Henrietta here and Mike and a few other people um, and, and Margaret and Bob, who are, they're all now here in England. They've all lived there or visited there. Well, the government lent us these tin huts. 
and um, they really were tin huts. They were past use by date, um, temporary housing, and the government said, would you like to use them temporarily? And we always say, yes, you know, we, we can use whatever you give us, uh, like the Woking Lighthouse. Doesn't matter if we only have it for a few months or a year or two years. Uh, at least we can use it for the poor. So uh, they, were, they were just simply little rooms, about 60 square feet, um, which is um, actually the size of where... Uh, this is, I think, the average Hong Kong person is now living in 40 square feet. Uh, it, it, it's, it's got so bad. But uh, we, we had 60. <laughs> it's a lovely place to live. <coughs> and we ended up with about 80 just in our first year. And on Christmas Day, we were preparing to do what most believers in Jesus do. That is, feed ourselves. And uh, through the gate came all these strangers. And uh, so I said to them, uh, Happy Christmas, because I'm English. And they say Merry Christmas, because they've got it from the US. I never understand Merry Christmas, but there you are. Um, and so I said, OK, what are you doing here? And they said, it's Christmas. It wasn't a Sunday. We used to have Sunday meetings in the afternoon. They were strangers. So as more and more people came in the gate, I thought, oh, they've come to lunch. Uh, and they obviously think, you know, like on a bank holiday, you go to Disneyland or something. On Christmas Day, you go to the Believers, you know. So, And then you could see who was, how mature people were, uh, our people. Uh, we had about... I guess about 60 um, people who'd been on drugs or in prison who were living with us, and the rest of us were living with them. And, uh, <laughs> and, and you, could, you could see how mature they were, because suddenly it dawned on them, wait a minute, they're going to eat our lunch. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> and the mature ones was, oh, praise God, we're not going to get lunch, you know. Anyway, the next year, we thought we'd we beat them. So we said, okay, now we're going to let all of Hong Kong know they can come to lunch. So we went down to the um, a visiting American naval ships and we went out to the parks and we went out to the homeless and we said, you can all come to lunch. We didn't know how many we were going to get. Well, anyway, this went on every year until we one year we got to 5,000. And um, we never knew who was coming, uh, so it's quite difficult to order food. Um, we also made the tables, so they were sit down, it wasn't buffet. We made the tables, um, and it was hot for, for 5,000 people. So, so what, what we did was like this. We said, now, uh, to, to, we have people who are uh, uh, praying and outreaching in different areas. Of, of Hong Kong. Um, okay, now order a bus and uh, bring, the, bring the people on the bus. So one, one area, uh, we said, how much have you ordered? And they said, 
or we just ordered a minibus. We don't think we know many people. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. You must order two big buses. If you don't have big buses, nobody will get on. Well, you don't understand that either. It's called vehicles. They had no faith, so they started with a minibus. I said, order a bus and pray. And I think in the end, they, they had to send two buses back twice. You know, so, so that, that's, that's because the Lord showed me there are lost people out there. So they, they, the lost people need to know they're loved and come in and have a feast. So there was one area in Hong Kong where all the old ladies, lonely, by the way, because our houses are not big enough for them anymore. So their sons don't look after them and their husbands are dead. And they just meet in the park and moan at one another uh, about their sore wrist or their bad leg or whatever. And uh, so we used to go out and meet them and pray with them. We let them know there's this Christmas meal coming. So they got on the bus. I mean, I don't know how many times these buses went back to fetch them. And we had people on the bus to, uh, to meet them. And so by the time they got from where, uh, their original, um, where they started the journey to our place, which is called Hangfoot Camp, half of them were already healed because uh, they prayed for their wrists on the bus, you know. And they, uh, all old ladies have got a wrist problem, you see. So it's, um, so then they came in and you know, we had such super parties. I mean, one year, uh, actually two years uh, running, uh, we ran out of turkey. Where people sent us a whole lot of turkeys. And I remember watching the turkey carvers, because Henrietta's husband was one of them. And I looked at them and I thought, oh no. You see, my, one of the reasons my father married my mother was that she could carve thin. <laughs> and And here were these tar turkey carvers carving thick. And you don't have to be so generous. You know, we're clearly going to run out. And we did. So the turkey carvers joined hands, closed their eyes, and prayed. And when they opened their eyes, there were more turkeys. That was one year. The next year, the same thing happened. But... They didn't run out, they just went on carving. You know, I think the, the, the five loaves and two fishes must have been like that. You know, it was just, you didn't suddenly notice the miracle. It just, as you, as you give, so there's more. I think that is a spiritual principle. So uh, anyway, uh, perhaps the greatest miracle of all was two or three years running, we had a team of Australians and uh, they came specifically to clean the toilets. Now, when we lived in these tin huts, we, you, you understand, they're not, they were not en suite. They, <laughs> we, we just had one central toilet block. Um, they were squatty toilets, by the way, if you know what a squatty toilet is. 
hole in the ground. You know, quite a nice hole. But, um, anyway, <laughs> really wonderful bathrooms. No doors, by the way. So we, we put up curtains, you know, that was where you learned to sing in the loo. <laughs> anyway, what happens all over Hong Kong, posh hotels, this is how they worked. They all have a lady to clean the toilet and to hand you, before you go in, toilet paper for which you are supposed to leave her a tip, which would be in Hong Kong one or two dollars, which is uh, a, a, a seventh of a, an American dollar. So, uh, and you needed to give this to her because those old ladies had to pay to get the job. They were not paid. They lived off their tips. And they would buy a comb or a little bottle of scent or something to try and uh, bless the customers. So this is what happened in our toilets. Imagine, we've got hundreds, if not thousands, of old ladies all needing the toilet. And <laughs> we haven't got many of the toilets. so. Uh, it was just like an ant trail all day long. You, all day long, you could see this trail of old ladies. So sweet, because they got in, into the toilet, and there was an Australian handing them toilet paper. I tell you, if they weren't saved on the bus, they were saved in the loo. We were valued, we were honored, we were served by foreigners. It was so funny. After that, I mean, they got healed on the bus or healed in the toilet or healed while they had the feast. Then people came, came to me and said, are you going to preach the gospel? <laughs> I've said they've had it. Do you get that? <laughs> you have to change your mind about things. Okay, you, you don't have to have a gospel meeting. They had a feast. They'd been honored. They'd been healed. They'd been served. At some point, of course, we would pray with them that they would meet the Jesus Christ who died on the cross. Two years ago, I broke my knee. Uh, and, but I didn't know I'd broken my knee. And uh, I, I slipped at home and uh, got myself to the hospital. And uh, I had to wait 13 hours to um, see a doctor and have an x-ray. So it was uh, about quarter to three in the morning um, when I, I just finished having my x-ray and they decided they need to put plaster on me and then admit me. 
So uh, I was waiting though with my friend Margaret and in came a lady with her son, obviously completely stoned, and policeman. So they put him into a custodial room. Um, and then the lady is crying outside. So I said to Margaret, uh, maybe um, have a look in my bag and see if we can find some cards, because there the may be a way that we can help this lady's son. Just, just let her know. Um, and, uh, but we hadn't got that far before. Out on the loudspeaker, they called my name. Now, I have a very interesting name, according to my identity card in Chinese. It goes, To Punling Che, To Punling Che. And there, the, there is no other To Punling Che in the whole world, I know. And <coughs> this lady came over and she said, Pun Gulen, Pun Siude. Do you remember me, Miss Poon? Do you remember me, Miss Poon? Uh, you know, this is quarter to three in the morning. I've no idea who she is. Just like I didn't know about the dead man. Uh, Do you remember me, Poon Siude? And she told me this story, how uh, must be 40 years before. Uh, she was in the walled city, and she was mistreated by her family, and I took her into my room. I didn't remember. But, you know, as I thought back, I thought, what a nice person I was. You know, <laughs> I don't remember all the... I was really nice then, you know. <laughs> How kind of me. But, of course, you'd do the same, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? I mean, we're in the walled city, so I can't take her to social services. You, you don't let a child remain where it's beaten. Of course you look after a child. And she remembered. And so we welcomed her to come and worship and she had begun to believe in Jesus, and so we're part of her life and part of her son's life now. Just these little things, you just don't know. You just don't know. Another time, there was a gang fight outside a um, funeral parlor. And um, this was... Um, one of the brothers of the boss of the walled city, the gang boss, um, was at the funeral parlor. And it was a bit like Romeo and Juliet, one gang that sev several people had been killed. <coughs> I think probably murdered. And um, outside the other gang came, outside the funeral parlor, and there's a fight and more people were murdered. So... Uh, the person I knew was the fourth brother of the gang leader. His name was Ali. And um, six of them were arrested for murder, including him. So uh, I went and visited them in remand. 
Um, and three of them received Jesus. And uh, three of them were set free. And then th uh, there were three more. And I used to go and visit Ali. Now, he said, when I went to visit him, he said, Punsuja, I'm really afraid. Because I, I didn't do it. Um, he was quoting Buddhist scriptures at the time um, that the fight was happening. She, he wasn't even outside. But he said, I've been identified. And I'm afraid that uh, I'm, I'm going to uh, be arrested and condemned. So I said to him, okay, Ali, um, on this earth, there are many things that are unfair. Th that's surely true. So in, in heaven, there is a God who sees everything. And uh, people make wrong judgments on earth. But there is a God who sees. So I'm going to pray to him in Jesus' name. And I've got friends in Wales and in... Spain and South Africa and New Zealand, and I'm going to get them all to pray and fast on Wednesdays. So I went on visiting him several months, and then one day he said, um, I, I'm, I believe in Jesus now. So I prayed with him through the glass, and he received the power of the spirit and, and spoke in tongues through the glass. You can do this. And um, then uh, 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 after a few more weeks, it came time for his trial. And the judge uh, threw the case out immediately, didn't hear it at all. And he was set free. So I took him to tea. And um, so I said, uh, Ali, I'm really interested to know why you suddenly believed in Jesus. And he said, let me tell you this story. Um, he said, I was in my cell, and the prison governor walked by, by my cell and with two guards. And he stopped at my cell, and he said, what's that smell in your cell? And he asked the two prison guards to search the cell. Well, they searched twice, and they couldn't find anything. So he, uh, the prison governor left. And then uh, the guards came back. And Ali said to the guards, what did he mean? Smell in my cell. I can't smell anything. And, and the two guards said, very fragrant your cell. Did you not know? So he went back into his cell. And he sat down. He still couldn't smell anything. He sat down and he thought, it's Wednesday. And he believed in Jesus. <laughs> How did he know the prayers of the saints are like incense? I don't know. Revelation. You see, when we do the ordinary kind things, the Lord in his mercy reveals Amazing things. And that's how that man believed. Now, the Bible says the Lord is pleased to use the foolishness of preaching. Please remember this. The foolishness of preaching. 
Not the Lord is pleased to use good preaching. Foolishness of preaching. Okay. My complete conviction is that people are never saved through the preaching. It's something else that's going on during the preaching. Okay? Think of your own story. The average conversion story goes like this. I wasn't going to believe. I have no idea what the preacher was saying. He called people forward. I wasn't going to do, but I found myself on my knees or going forward with tears streaming down my cheeks. That's a normal conversion story. Can they remember a word the preacher said? No. Something else is going on. So uh, I was asked to go to Japan um, some years back and to speak at a friend's uh, dinner party. They were teaching at a university. And um, I knew that Japan was a very difficult place and I wouldn't be able to convince anyone. So um, I had prayed this prayer about the spirit of revelation. Lord, send a spirit of revelation. Open their eyes that they'll be able to believe and know, and know your love, and know the hope you've, you've called them to. I always pray that prayer. Dear Lord, whatever I'm saying, will you please speak to them what you're saying? Now, this is a great prayer to pray, because it lets you off the hook. So, they invited this very fat fruit seller called, called Nemo. And um, so, Nemo sat there, and it, it's a very great mistake to um, have somebody speak in your home after a dinner party, you know, because um, people nod. Well, Nemo nodded for a long time. In fact, he slept throughout. And um, at the end, he went up to my friends and he said, um, I have to believe in Jesus now. And uh, so they said, what happened? Well, he said, I listened to that girl, I was then, and um, I thought, I, I don't need to hear that. So I went to sleep. <laughs> and in my dream, Jesus came and said, you have to believe in me now, so I do. <laughs> so you see, God is pleased to use the foolishness of preaching. While you are doing one thing, he's doing his thing. And without his thing, no one can believe. And this has happened so very often. I remember went down to a drug area one day. Um, it, it was amazing. It was after people had just were hearing that other men from the walled city were, were, were living in my house. So the word went round all the street sleepers and people in prison. So I went to this other area, miles away. And I went, I got to the mouth of a drug den where they were selling um, heroin. And three men came out. And one of them said, oh, Punsiute, I want to come live in your house and, uh, and believe in Jesus, because they think it goes together. And um, which I do too. And, um, and then somebody else said, uh, uh, could you please give me a, a number of how I can get help? But the third one uh, didn't want to believe in Jesus at all, but he was just hungry. 
he was a drug pusher, not a serious one. You know, it, he just, if you sell four packets, you get one free. That's how it works. So uh, I could see he was hungry. So I said, come, come have noodles. So we went to an outside eating stall. And uh, while we were waiting for the noodles, I said to him, I dare you, I dare you, ask Jesus if he's real. Well, he, you know, he didn't want to do that at all, but he did want the noodles. He was hungry. So, uh, so he shut his eyes. And I just prayed, Spirit of God, reveal Jesus to him. And he began to smile. And then he began to pray in tongues. This went on for about half an hour. Um, and the noodles came, got cold. He, he went on praying. And when he opened his eyes, I said to him, what did you see? And he said, well, I saw a picture. And there were about a dozen men sitting around a table. And they were passing around a cup. And passing around bread. And I said, do you know what that means? And he said, no. I said, have you ever seen that picture before? And he said, no. And so I, I told him that um, what Jesus did, dying for us on the cross, and that that was his broken body and um, blood shed for us because he loved us so much. That's how Jonathan came to Jesus. So sweet of the Lord. So sweet of him to do that. It's what happened to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. You remember, they were going back after the crucifixion and disappointed, and Jesus met them, but they didn't recognize him. But he explained all the scriptures concerning himself, and they invited him in because it, the day was almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table, this is Luke 24, 30. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? It's very simple. You pray that the Lord gives you revelation. He'll reveal to you miracles from time to time. And when you don't have the time to time revelation, you do what's already been revealed, okay? You share your home. You share your bread. You give to everyone who asks. Not your 13th worst T-shirt. <laughs> but one of your two. That's what the soldiers were asked to do by Jane the, John the Baptist. Got to give one away. You know, just simple things. That this is what I call ordinary gospel. 
uh, and it's in those ordinary ways that Christ is revealed. Whatever you did for the least of one of these, you did it for me. And sometimes you don't know if they've seen Jesus or not. You don't know. I, I, I didn't remember that girl, but she did. I didn't remember the dead man, and I still don't know. But this is how we are to look after the least of these. And this is what we can all do. Every one of us can do this. It's very simple, and it's very doable. And if you will do the ordinary, Jesus may be revealed. If we will do the ordinary, it might be Jesus we're doing it for. It might, that man in sleeping in the street could be Jesus. That man in the prison could be Jesus. That refugee might be. In any case, he receives it as unto him. So it's never wasted. Neither do we have to come up with great results. Just know whatever you do in the name of the Lord is not in vain. And I believe that this fellowship, and I know a, a number of you do belong here, but I believe that this fellowship and, and, and the one we visited in Woking this afternoon is here so that Jesus can be revealed through the way we treat the least of them. And if you want to know where the Lord is sending you, it's terribly easy. You just start with the next person you see. And you'll get there very quickly. This is how it worked for me. <sighs> Somebody this afternoon was saying, I didn't understand. Someone that lived in Surrey. Well, I grew up in Croydon, Surrey. I know it's Greater London now, but uh, I was praying about where to go because the Lord had spoken to me through a dream and he said, go. And I said, where? And he said, go, and I'll show you, just like he said just now. Go and I'll show you. I'll lead you. And I said, thank you very much. Please be a bit clearer. And he said, go and I'll show you. I'll lead you. And I said, thank you very much. Where? He said, go. So he, he said, go. So uh, it was a very, very long story, but there, I think there are two main things that got me there. Um, one of them was that um, I decided that uh, I would try and do something here, not there. Now, don't wait till your church has a program. Touching the least of these you're more likely to be able to touch the least in Surrey than I am, because I don't live here anymore, okay? So you can touch people that nobody else can touch. And if you start with the next one you see, whether he comes to Christ or not, that, that, that's not the most important thing. If you touch the next one you see as if he's Jesus, you will get to where you're going. People want to come to Hong Kong and see our poor people. That's not the way you get a heart for the poor. That's using our people, not right. Don't go and sightsee the poor. 
don't go to India unless you're willing to stay for the rest of your life. And I absolutely mean that. It's such a cruel world when we look at videos of dying people and say how awful. We're not supposed to do that. Not supposed to do that. We're not supposed to do that. The, 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 the last passage I wanted to refer you to is Luke 9. We're not supposed to sightsee and do nothing. We are supposed to do something for everyone that we see. It's, it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. I got it right. Keep. Sorry, it's Luke 10. The priest saw him, passed by, the man lying in the road. Verse 32, the Levite saw him, passed by on the other side. The awful thing was that they both saw and did nothing. And the Samaritan came where he saw the man was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. If you've got pity, it's the wrong word. It's compassion. Pity is not a good word for Christians. Okay. He came, he saw, saw him. He had compassion on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, not the church donkey, took him to an inn and took care of him and planned to return. When you see the next poor person hungry, you have no idea where it's going to take you. You know, you have to do something. You have to do something, just something. So he saw him. He had compassion. He went to him. At least pray. I, I was in uh, Singapore once, and I was, I was doing a whole week on the poor in the, one of the richest, biggest churches. And this man came up to me on the third day, and he said, um, he said, um, I'm very poor and I'm hungry. And I said, I know, I can see. I mean, I can see. I mean, I can see. I know how to look. Uh, I can tell drug addicts from the back of their neck. I can, I can see poor people. He'd been in this church, which is the most, one of the most famous churches in the world for house groups, in a house group called a cell group for years. Nobody knew he hadn't had lunch in three years. Nobody knew. You know, they didn't see they were doing their cell group program. They just didn't see. So we are supposed to do something for the one we see and to see with the Lord's eyes. So while I was waiting for the Lord to show me where to go and what to do, the scripture says, the secret things belong belong to the Lord, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children. So I joined my, my, the church up the road was having an outreach to Mitcham Common. If you know where Mitcham Common is, but prob it's very Mitcham Common. 
well, we were to have this evangelistic outreach, which was a terrible day to choose. It was quite the wrong day of the whole year because it was both the rugby uh, uh, international at Twickenham and the cup final, and we were trying to knock on people's doors on a Saturday afternoon. And we were going to ask them to a sausage sizzle. <laughs> At which time we were going to preach the gospel. <laughs> so here I am on a Saturday afternoon. Now, I knew two people playing at Twickenham. And I wasn't there. I was Mitchum Common. And then knocking on doors, asking people to sausage sizzle. And uh, I remember thinking, I know I'm a Christian now. I, I know I'm a Christian. <laughs> no, nobody came to the sausage sizzle. We ate the sausages. <laughs> but I think it got me to Hong Kong. Of course, the Lord spoke to me through that wonderful pastor who, who told me to get onto a boat and pray to know where to get off. That was a wonderful part of the story. That's what I did. He spoke to me through a vision. He spoke to me through a dream. All those ways. But I really think perhaps it was Mitchum Common. Instead of waiting for guidance on every step of the way, let your vision be heaven. Say, Lord, reveal things as you will. In the meantime, I will walk in what you've told me to do. I will do the ordinary today. I will love people, whether they say thank you or not. I will give away my cloak. I will notice the one I pass. I may pray for them. I may do more. Open my eyes and open theirs and reveal yourself to them. And if you will, in your good pleasure through me, I'd be so pleased. And then imagine. Then imagine when you die. And you hear the words. Do you want to hear them? Well done. Well done. I don't know if any of us dare to believe we might hear those words. I've always wanted to hear them. Well done, well done. Good and faithful servant, come and share your master's happiness. That's what we're aiming for. And on earth, we do the ordinary, and we do the miraculous with the power of the Spirit, and Jesus is revealed. So please stand. Let's sing a song, and then I want to bless you.